Hey everybody, this is Rob from the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods and DC Primetime, and I'm here to tell you something that you should definitely be doing if you haven't done so already, and that is heading over to www.nextlevelradioonline.com. There's a ton of other great podcasts on the network if you haven't checked them out already, such as From Panels to Pixels, Two Fat Dudes, What Lurks Behind Podcast Zero, uh, an upcoming Lost Revisited podcast, uh, in addition to our flagship show, the Showcast Spotlight, which is about to probably get ready to kick off its brand new season of celebrity interviews. Great shows like The Melting Pat, Primetime Fantasy Football, and Con Talk. So whatever your interest is, there's definitely something for you at Next Level Radio Online. Make sure to check them out, like them, review them, share. Thank you guys so much for all of your years of support. Now, back to the show. following podcast may contain spoilers. Listener discretion is advised. So, do any of these flashing screams actually do anything? Focus, Damien. How do we capture your demon daughter? Well, if we coordinate a strike between the Legends and the Time Bureau, we might be able to take her down. How did that work for you in Victorian London? Besides, my little angel's only gotten more powerful since. What if we just ask Nora nicely? Uh, I did have a bit of a connection with her in Berlin. Mm, not that kind. All right, maybe she'll listen to her dear old dad. Not anymore. Nora only listens to Mollus now. He's always in her ear. Well, that's it. What if I got inside Nora? Not like that. Welcome in, Primers, to this issue 103 of the DC Primetime Podcast here on the Next Level Podcast Network. From the Showcast Spotlight, also here on the Next Level Podcast Network, I am Ben Beck. And from the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods, I am Rob Martin. And we bring you three more episodes this week, that being Legends, Arrow, and Black Lightning. I almost forgot for a second <laughs> what shows we were to it's talk a- about. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? No, I think... Um... My brain kind of stalled this morning. Like when uh, I got up, I'm like, I don't remember any of the shows that I was thinking about. And I'm like, no, I actually remember all three of them really clearly. That never happens. <laughs> so, uh, uh, yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be a very to the point, I think, conversation this morning. Yeah, so. I, I I think it is. I think a lot of the shows that we're going to talk. I think the three episodes that we're going to talk about this week are pretty straightforward. Actually, there's not. I mean, we're heading into the ends of the seasons for both. Legends of Tomorrow and Black Lightning. We just had the penultimate for Legends of Tomorrow, so this week it will be the season finale. Uh, happy to say season and not series, as all the shows have been renewed, which we found out last and we announced last week. Did we say, did we talk about that last week or did we just? Uh, we it? did. Okay. Yeah, it, we did. We did announce officially that all shows have been picked back up. Yeah, so. I couldn't remember if we had just posted it on the Facebook page or if we had talked about it because sometimes these stories all blend together as to when they actually happen. Well, just. 
just in case we didn't. Breaking news, everyone! <laughs> all see, all shows have been picked back up. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that, you know, penal- the season finale of Legends is this week. We're going into the penalty. Oh, I'm so excited! I am <laughs> so excited. It's a double-edged oh, sword. I'm excited, but I'm disappointed because now we gotta wait until the season returns because this se- this second half of the season, man, has been so good. Honestly, the entire season has been so good. Me and my wife were talking last night uh, on our way home from uh, hanging out with a couple people. And we were saying, you know, how amazing this season has been and how just amazing the show has been uh, in the last couple of years. But the fact that season three was kind of like the insanely amazing, like great breakout of the entire Arrowverse this year alone. Um like, I'm honestly always excited to watch that show. Me too. Uh, because I, I just don't know what they're going to do next. And, and this week, oh man, we I, I'm looking forward to talking about this week. And uh, and then what's to come tomorrow night? I, like, I know it's one of those things, like, you and me get around to watching the shows, like, maybe the next day. But I I, I will probably be, like, messaging you nonstop. I'm like, hey, buddy, um, can you uh, – is it on the line yet? <laughs> so, <laughs> well, I'm usually pretty there. good about having them – Oh, on absolutely. Because we watch them on, on, on my server, my home server, and I usually have them online with, within an hour, if not less. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <clears throat> and it's going to be like, it's going to hit like 9 o'clock, and I'm like, uh, hey, where is it? Hey, it's 9.02. Why is Legends not up yet? <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I'm excited. I'm but really I will excited. say to, to anybody from the CW or Warner Brothers who might happen to be listening, because we've gained a lot of listeners over the course of the past couple of weeks, so... I'm just going to take a shot in the dark and say somebody from there is listening. Um, can we please give Legends the full 22-23 treatment? We're already at 18. Like, can we just next season just give it the full-blown full season, please? Yeah. I mean, it, it deserves it. Out of all these shows, it deserves it the most. It does. It really does. So, but yeah, <clears throat> next week's going to be fun to talk about the season finale. Uh, this week's going to be fun just because it was a fun episode. Next week, we go into the penultimate episode of Black Lightning and Arrow. We still have about six episodes left. Oh, God. We'll yeah. talk about that. We'll get in there. We'll get there. But we and, also, uh, uh, yeah, Flash returning this coming week and Supergirl returning the following. Yeah, and uh, I got to say this right now, too, because I'm on our page on uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash DC Primetime. Something I didn't expect. Uh, We are at 598 likes now. It will be uh, at 600 by the time people are listening to this. Probably, and 602 followers. Uh, So, man, our community is growing, guys. And uh, a big, huge special thanks to a lot of you for just being as active as you have been. Uh, tons of new names and faces I'm starting to learn that I'm seeing and responding more and more, tagging their other friends, coming into the mix. And then, of course, like our, our original core community that has still just been amazing and awesome. Uh, so thank you, guys. Um, it's very humbling to see uh, from the 100th um, h- how many people of you are actually out there that are subscribers. Uh, I had no idea our subscriber numbers were as high as they were. And... Um, how many of you are actually just constantly keeping tabs on what we're doing and, um, you know, kind of becoming an aggregate for uh, the DC news that's been coming out? We've been trying to stay really on top of it, but I really appreciate uh, 
the amazing feedback we're seeing from the community. So. Yeah. I mean, and here's the thing too, <clears throat> uh, you know, we'll, we'll be realistic about it as podcasters. We know that not everybody who subscribes and likes the Facebook page listens to the podcast and that's fine. Everybody has, not everybody's a podcaster, but just the fact that we have so many people following the page uh, and following the news stories and following the interviews and following everything that comes out, that already just means so much to us and i i can tell you right now before the 100th episode we were at i think 238 and by the time this airs we'll be over 600 so yeah. uh, in a matter of three weeks has been in, incredibly in a matter of three episodes rather compared to the last hundred which is fantastic and the numbers just keep going up every day and we've hit a stride and now's the time that we we step things up and we keep the quality going and we bring you more and we bring you more. And that's basically just the attitude we're taking. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to make sure I, I didn't forget to say that before, uh, and wait until the end. So, yeah, uh, but absolutely. I guess uh, without further ado, uh, let's, let's get into this week. Let's do it. Uh, so we have three, <clears throat> excuse me, three episodes to talk about this week. As we had mentioned, Legends of Tomorrow, Black Lightning, and Arrow. Uh, we will give our one of three-point ranking of each episode, that being Sidekick, Hero, or Legend. And then we will go back and break down the episodes. So starting first, Season 3, Episode 17 of Legends of Tomorrow. Uh, <clears throat> sidekick, Hero, or Legend for this week? Legend, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, I think this was an amazing setup for what's to come for tomorrow night. So I, I think everything worked out here perfectly. They they laid enough breadcrumbs in this one. And, uh, man, uh, Neil McDonough just continues to be just awesome. <laughs> so yep. I'm right there with you. Legend for me as well. There were so many great moments from this episode that I can't wait to talk about. And uh, I, I'm pretty sure the way this season has been going next week's – this week's finale – is going to be a legend. I have no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. So, uh, Next up, we have Black Lightning Season 1, Episode 11, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? Oh, man, this is another great one. Uh, I think the episode was titled uh, Black, uh, Black Jesus, the Crucifixion. The Book of Crucifixion, um, yeah. Oh, uh, the Book of Crucifixion. Um, holy shit, dude, this was just uh, an exceptional, exceptional episode. Um, and I can see how this is all starting to pull together. Even though we haven't seen the big bads of the mix, the ASA, it really feels like they are, and everybody else is just people in their way. Um, I'm on board, and I think I know where this story is going, but holy crap, yeah, this gets a legend for me this week. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you as well. And one of the things I have to pride this episode on is this episode did such a good job as telling the story and progressing the story, and in all actuality, by technicality, there was no actual black lightning in this episode. The yeah. only Black Lightning was holographic, which was mm -hmm. really cool. Oh, it was awesome. I love what they do with this one. Um, yeah, it, it, it's a story that, like, it, I think, you know, when we get into it this week, uh, Black Lightning has kind of been teasing us and tricking us, I think, a little. Uh, where we're like, where is this going? Where is this going? Where is this going? And it's you can see it all starting to pull together. Where you're like, man, this storytelling has been brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah. But yeah, legend again for me this week. Yeah, same with me. And of course, we have Arrow Season 6, Episode 7, Sidekick, Hero, or Legend? Sidekick! <laughs> nice Bruce Campbell reference uh, there. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I hate to say it, but uh, unfortunately this week for me, it's uh, not the super low sidekick. It was right around the hero, uh, but there was a couple things that just 
kind of held its head underwater a little bit longer than I think it it should have. Um, you know, uh, lots of other voices of reason this week in Arrow, uh, but it doesn't mean it made the story better. So, is there a ranking, um, a fourth ranking of I miss Thea? Uh, I wish there was a, an I Miss Thea ranking. So. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm giving it a hero. I'm not going as low as a sidekick. There were a couple things that kind of saved the episode for me, namely the action sequences that we did get out of this episode. That's, that's oh, yeah, one, they were beautiful this week. Absolutely. We've made no bones about that. This show, uh, above all others, while the story might be suffering right now, has given us some of the most fantastic action sequences, and a lot of that has to do with James Bamford. Um, you know, and, but and... Even so, even the fact that he's directed and produced episodes now, it's never taken away from from the stunts that the show has seen. So, I, I, because of those, I'll bump it up into hero. But story, if I could split action and story, story would have gotten a sidekick. Absolutely. Oh, if, I, if it was, if I was ranking this on action alone, uh, this would probably have been a very high hero, low legend. Because man, there was a couple beautiful, beautiful sequences in this episode that were just kind of blew me away. But um, yeah, it was there was just. Ugh, man, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go back uh, and to Legends of Tomorrow, Season 3, Episode 17. I laughed at the title of this, and after watching the episode, it completely makes sense now. Uh, guest starring John Noble. And mm -hmm. when I first read that that was the title of this episode, I was like, wow, IMD, IMDB didn't know what the title of the episode was, so they made up their own. But it worked Perfectly, John Noble having a cameo in this episode as himself tying into Peter Jackson and Lord of the Rings. Oh yeah, it, when him playing Denethor was brilliant, absolutely awesome. It, I love how they did this. It was so funny because in that one moment, like the whole time, I knew that the title of the episode was. I in the back of my mind, it was guest starring John Noble, and I'm like, oh, okay. And then all of a sudden, you have that scene where they're in the Wave Rider. And they're talking about shrinking Ray and putting Ray in Nora's ear to, you know, to do the voice of, of Malice. And all of a sudden you hear those lines from Lorda. And it never even clicked in the beginning because you do hear that part in the beginning of the episode where Mick says, you're taking me away from Lord of the Rings. Never clicked in that moment until that further, until yeah. a little bit later on when you hear that voice of that character and you turn around and Mick is watching Lord of the Rings. And I instantly had I had a moment of like instant glee. Yeah. Where and, I was like, oh, honestly, we, well, we saw sense. photos, photos of John Noble early on behind the scenes for this set and the shots of him and Brandon Routh. And I'm like, well, now Mollus's design looks a lot like Denethor. And I'm like, interesting. <laughs> I'm wondering what they're going to do. I'm like, I think it's a really good look for Mollus. I think that'll work. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, it's a nice little nod. Not knowing that, nope, they were just going back to when Lord of the Rings was filming. Such a brilliant idea. Um, man, this show just makes me smile just nonstop. And that, again, as you mentioned, led to such a great moment of them finding a way to trick Nora. Thinking that, you know, like, Mollus was giving her orders and a command. And it was just, it led to one of the funniest moments ever with Courtney Ford of uh, with Ray inside of her head and like his volume being up way too loud. And she's like, Oh my God. And he's just like clutching her ear. Um, Mollus is speaking to me loudly. 
Yes. <laughs> and then just right turning the volume. And, this, and Neil McDonough being in, like, you know, having Damien Dark just in on it, too, working with the legends to do this. And just the way that he hammed up his lines as he's talking to Nora is like, oh my God, he is speaking to you right now, this second. You know, all of this stuff was so perfect. And it just worked, man. Like, it was. Man, this was such a brilliant way to bring all these tiny little plot points that felt like insignificant things this week into something that was just awesome. And it just was perfect. And it's not even what the setup of this week really even was. Uh, We, you know, jump in from last week's episode where we have Amaya go back to Zambezi in 1992, uh, right when her village is about to be destroyed. uh, And, you know, before she can pass on the totem. And that was set up for something really just awesome here for Nate and Amaya and how the team are going to kind of react to things. Yeah. Um, but man, this was such a great, great episode. I mean, I don't know, even know where and how you want to break some more of this down, but Oh my God, this was, this blew me away. Well, I mean, there's a couple of things obviously worth noting in the episode that we can, we could talk about. First off, we, we did get a different side of Neil McDonough that we kind of, um, of Damien Dark rather, that we kind of touched base on last week. Last week, you know, we had men, we had made mention that previously we thought it was Nora that was going to turn, uh, and assist the legends against Damien. But last week and this week, even confirming it, it seems it's the other way around. Damien has teamed up with the legends. Uh, in order to save his daughter. And we're getting a completely different side of Damien Dark this time around, is that <clears throat> he no longer is driven by world conquest. He is now driven by saving Nora. And right. you can see that in every decision that he's making now. He teamed up with the Legends without hesitation, made that deal with Sarah, in that when this is all over, Sarah puts him back in the ground. And uh, again, it like I mentioned, without hesitation, said deal, like if this is what's going to save Nora, this is what needs to be done. We do see him kind of turn on the legends slightly again at the end, but the implications as to why he does are completely merited because he kind of, the legends want that they want to actually let Mollus release because they feel you can't defeat what you can't see. If Mollus comes out, they have something physical and tangible that they can defeat. Damien doesn't want that because he knows if Mala is Malus is released, that's the end. That could be potentially the end of Nora. Right. So you completely understand why he does what he does by the end. And again, the motives as to why he does it are not evil in the in in this case. Oh no, he was completely justified in his actions this week. Yeah. Um, and I got to say too, there was a couple great articles I saw this week where they were saying like, in as far as the villains, uh, the Arrowverse. That Neil McDonough is kind of now top dog. Like, he's been the most multifaceted, most interesting character next to Reverse Flash. Uh, Just showing and proving that it's better for them to keep these types of characters around to continue to build upon them. And you think about the ones that have survived the longest and what they've been able to do with those characters now. So... Man, it, it's been so great, and we say time and time again how wonderful it is to have Neil McDonough part of this cast for the last two years. Um, but, man, he really has been been showing a lot of new strengths the last couple of weeks with this show. So, um, yeah, big kudos to him. Yeah, uh, He's been doing exception, such an exceptional job. And I know we talked about this last week, and it was kind of more of a joke last week, just as something we we kind of wished we could see. But after this week, I kind of see it more as a viable thing that could happen. 
we talked last week, we joked last week that it would be great to see Damian Dark as a member of the Wave Rider going next season because we know there's going to be some empty seats. Uh, we, You have some news later on in that we know for sure there's going to be at least one. Um, so, I mean, and we know that John Constantine is taking up a seat coming in the next season. At least that's what the, the rumor is as of right now. Uh, how great would it be after this season after this past episode, rather, seeing how well he interacts with the Legends and how he en- he can actually work with them if you put mm-hmm. differences aside. I mean, granted, the killing of, uh, you know, Sarah's sister is a big difference to put aside. But, you know, it, the way things happen in this episode, it could very well happen and work well of Damien Dark being a member of the Wave Rider, being a member of the Legends next season we've already seen two villains become legends yeah why can't damian dark become one as well that's very true and i'm I'm very curious to see what they're going to do with that there's i think there's there is a chance for it um you know i think this week um it it was showing more and more that there that's a strong possibility that could happen i mean i don't know if it's going to go directly into next season um but there's a part of me you could also see Damien dying uh, at the end of this season. Me too. Um, but I, I think regardless, man, they did a great job telling a new story with a character that when we were first introduced to, we, we knew he was charismatic as all hell. Um, but kind of fell apart by the end a little bit of his, his first appearance in season four of Arrow. But still really just, you know, exceptionally expanded upon you know, in a matter of three seasons of uh, this character being a part of the Arrowverse. And it's been nonstop. If you think about it, season four of Arrow, which led into the following season being season two for Legends, you know? Yeah. And now, so he's been a part of the Arrowverse consistently for three years, uh, being a major player. And uh, it, it's going to be weird and potentially not have him around next year. So I, I, mean, I got my fingers crossed. I do too. And it, it, I mean, and again, if he is killed off at the end of the season, that deal that him and Sarah made and somehow, or even if it's a sacrifice to, to save Nora or to bring back Nora, it's completely merited. It's completely understandable. And while it's sad, I do feel it is a fitting ending for that character. But, you know, looking at the opposite side of it, of, of Damien Dark potentially joining the Wave Rider, and think of the implications that could have into next season's crossover. And what that would be like for Oliver to come face to face with Damian Dark, who he killed, now mm-hmm. riding with the Legends of Tomorrow. Right. I mean, that could prove to be interesting. We don't. I mean, there's no implications as to what the next year's crossover is even going to be about. But uh, you know, I just think there's some cool things they could do with it. It's somehow, even if it's just the second half of the season or just the first half of the season or whatever. Uh, what they could do with Damien being becoming a legend. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, looking at some of the other things, obviously we do see by the end of the episode that Malus has come to form. What do we think this means for Nora? Is Nora gone, or is she? I mean, because it is the f- her, her physical her, body becomes Malus. Yeah, we kind of saw her head fall off. Yeah, um, <laughs> so. Um, I don't know. I, I generally don't know. I think there might be potentially a way to save it. But again, we're talking about a show with time travel, so anything is absolutely possible. So, I mean, hell, this was the you know the second time that Damien... Well, Damien died, what, twice? Or once? Yeah. I, th- I think just once. Just once, yeah. yeah. 
Because he didn't die last season. They just took him back to the 80s because we saw him in that, those, those very sweet-looking uh, Miami Vice you know, gear uh, yeah. when they dropped yeah. him back off to the 80s last season So uh, to set up his fate for later. Uh, but, yeah, it was um, – uh, yeah, anything is possible in the Arrowverse. Absolutely. So. But, I mean, you, you know, you, you, you did say that this is a show about time travel and using time travel to kind of save Nora – uh, is kind of iffy because Wally even makes a point to mention in this episode that, look, this is what Barry did and we got Flashpoint or what we're calling Flashpoint. So they're kind of making it known or it could be one of two things. They're making it known that they're, they, they're not going to do something and use time travel to do it or they're planting the seed for something else that with Wally's warning, they're still going to do it and there's going to be massive side effects. Right. Which could uh, potentially lead into next season. Right, and that's the big question now because more than likely uh, we we saw the village not get destroyed in, in this. They tried to even use Garad as a way to make sure it happened because there's now a new totem bearer. Like, you know, Amaya's actual daughter, uh, not her granddaughters, are is was the one in possession of the totem by the end of this episode, the spirit totem. Yeah. Um, well, the 1992 version, so... Um. um yeah, so I'm very curious to see how this is going to play out because they did already radically change time uh, by the end of that uh, this episode. What was also interesting, though, too, and I don't know what your thoughts were on this, was um, the reason Amaya did not remember Nate. I wonder if that factors into anything as well. Uh, maybe it's because of the fact that they, you know, as they mentioned, they, they flashy-thinged her so she would forget. Uh, because you definitely see a connection with Amaya and Nate, like old Amaya and Nate, um, by the end of this episode. But when we first see her, she has no idea who he is whatsoever. And uh, we haven't seen, like, you know, when they kind of get, you know, flashy thinged. We'll just say that again. <laughs> um, we have never seen people be able to kind of break through that. So it's a big question of how all this is going to factor in. Well, I mean, it's more. Didn't she make she, mention that that's exactly what she did? Is she probably erased her own memory? That's what she stated, but again, with the show, you never really know if there's something else or if there was a massive change somewhere that caused something else to happen. So it, it could be, but more than likely, it was they were being straightforward and honest with us in the episode. But I'm wondering, there's a part of me that's still wondering: is there something else there? That's yeah, okay, yeah, that's true. I don't know where they're going to go with it, but um, uh, yeah, we we did see a little bit of a history. I mean, because we find out that it was actually Grod that destroyed the village. Grod was shrunken in a jar. Or, no, it was – history had changed to Grodd being the one right. to but destroy they, the village. Were, but they were able to stop Grodd before that happens. So. Yeah, and Nate was able to come in with an Earth totem, which is – another thing I wanted to bring up is by the end of this episode, we see all of the legends as totem bearers. Yes. Which is re pretty damn cool. Yeah, uh, now uh, we've got Ray uh, with the water totem. We haven't seen him use it yet. Nate finally able to harness the earth totem, which he used to uh, send a little shockwave across the ground and knock Grodd very, very far away, <laughs> So, um, which was kind of awesome. And, you know, we've got Zari still with the uh, wind. Uh, the only one not accounted for at the moment is the death totem because they did give it to Damien for part of this episode, but I have a feeling Sarah will take that back up the for the finale well we did so. see them take it off of damien at the end of the episode yes we did but i have a feeling you know, it's gonna go back to sarah so. that would yeah i you know it'd be interesting to see uh see that happen we do know for a fact still uh and it has been confirmed i think over the course of this week there was more confirmation of it the Jax is returning 
for the finale this week. Um, it's going to be very interesting to see how that's going to play out because now we're going to have two potential people who can bo- who could bear the fire totem. Um, and in all personal opinion, I'd rather see Mick carry it. I think we might just see just Mick with this. I mean, like honestly, if you look at this, you know, this week or no, this coming week, uh, being tomorrow night for Monday for the finale. I mean, think about it. We we've got three really big, well, four really big returning characters. You got Jonah Hex. You've got Jeff, uh, you know Jefferson coming back. We've got Constantine, and we got Bebo coming back. So <laughs> you are on a Bebo kick, man. Dude, everybody is on a Bebo kick. <laughs> Dude, I, I kid you not, if you guys want to have a great time, go to reddit.com slash r slash Bebo. There's uh, a Bebo Reddit? There is a Bebo subreddit. And what they've been doing <laughs> nonstop has been trolling every one of the Arrow, uh, well, like Arrowverse subreddits and being kind of like trying to take them over as Bebo's Lord and Savior will save all of these shows. And it's been so funny. Um, but it's just a, it's a very humorous, fun subreddit. There's not a thousand and one posts on it, but if you ever get bored and you just truly enjoy the, the creation of this furry little monster, uh, dude, it's just it's so funny. It's so uh, it's, it's yeah, it's funny because even listener Shad when we posted the article about um, the the cast creating the Wild Wild West video, which is great. I love the fact that they do those videos uh but he even posted on the article he's like how are you guys not freaking out that the article mentioned a certain fluffy deity yeah <laughs> uh, returning for the finale so i mean we all knew that that was bebo and it- oh yeah as soon as they announced that the title was the uh the good the bad the cuddly we knew bebo was going to be in the mix now, like how, there's yeah no, how, no question how long until and maybe it's already done i don't know how long until warner brothers is releasing an official stuffed bebo toy uh the moment that they do i will immediately buy one that's not even a question um <laughs> that i will actually keep it at work above my desk i will buy two and we will give one away to one of the listeners if they do it absolutely we will yeah. hold a contest on the, to uh, do it i i do think that maybe the next fan of the month one there is an amazing shirt i found on red bubble that was just uh it was the uh you know this said bebo the god of war or pray uh praise bebo uh, <laughs> i think that might be that might be the next giveaway so Speaking of, we we do have to choose one for um for March. Yes, we do. We do. Um, we uh. But there's been so many new people subscribed to the site, and so many people posting on, uh, and posting and commenting and liking and everything that it's it's taken me a little longer to go through everybody and add them to our aggregator that pick, that chooses the name. So next week we'll have our March fan of the week. Uh, oh chosen. crap! You know we didn't even mention uh in Legends this week. Barack Obama. That's right. I was getting to it. We were just leading down the yeah. line. Yeah. Um, but, man, uh, there was that amazing, amazing line. I think the line of the week does come from probably, the, you know, this, this week's episode. Uh, which was uh, No, actually, oh. not even that. It was my thought was honestly is when they're in the village and it's, you know, Wally and Ray. And it's kind of like, OK, well, you know. This happened, this happened, this happened, and you just hear Ray at the end. And I met John Noble. <laughs> so, <laughs> Dude, there were a uh, lot of great lines from this um, episode. But that and, and of course, Sarah is kind of like, God, I miss you when she's talking to Barack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's, when, that's why I like the, the line, too. And um, when they're talking about his name and he's like, well, I go by Barry. And she's like, you might want to stick with Barack. Yeah. And he's like, well, that's what's on my birth certificate. She's like, yeah, you might want to hang on to that. <laughs> you know, because I love how they throw just some little stuff that's the, into these episodes, and 
uh, again, like this is one of those shows that is very quickly. I, I, Flash always holds a special place for me, but this show is very quickly becoming probably my favorite of the Arrowverse. Oh, it easily is already mine. It's just, but yeah, <laughs> this one was just phenomenal and just awesome. But I will say, most definitely, though, uh, the the actor that they had portray young Barack Obama, man, he had his inflections down perfectly. Yes, like the he way did. he talked, head motions, the way he moved his hands, uh, the pauses, and he, and just how succinct. And then it just made me a little sad <laughs> at the same time. And even then, the fact that Sarah's like, I, I miss you. I'm like, I really do, too. <laughs> <laughs> political political aspirations aside and political yeah. allegiances aside. Yes, I, exactly. I agree with that, too. Yeah. Um, anything else that we have to talk about? Um, I mean, there's we did bring up a lot and we were kind of jumping all over the place. But is there anything that we really forgot that we should bring up? I think we hit it all just in a really weird way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so in a different order. I, yeah, I, I, I'm just again. It, it was just an exceptional episode yet again. It doesn't feel like that's even a question. Uh, my big hope is tomorrow uh, they they do this amazingly and in a huge way. I think season two was an exceptional season from start to finish, uh, but it didn't stick the landing as well. Um, it wasn't anything like the finale we got in season one with that massive cliffhanger. This is the big changes to come. We were a little kind of confused on where things were going to go for season three with the way season two ended uh and it proved to be phenomenal so yeah. uh, I, I just hope that tomorrow night's ending um is worthy of how amazing this season has been i think the only thing really we we kind of have to we didn't touch base on and it it really again was just a small little um playing through uh and i i kind of felt like why they did it and why they led to it was because uh we didn't talk anymore about ava this week, um, you know, Ava's kind of going through uh, a little bit of a crisis in her own life, realizing now that she is a clone, she's one of, and we do find out too that one of the reasons why Rip had hit it was because she is actually the twelfth uh, that he personally has gone through. Um, so you know, there, there's a lot of, and I think I don't think it really has anything to do with the main story arc. I think it's more. I now firmly believe, and again, this is something we'll talk about in the news later on, too. I now firmly believe that this is more setting something up for her character into next season. Yeah, absolutely. So, again, it's not anything that is pertinent to the to the main story. I think this is just setting up for... This is more planting the seed for something to happen next year. Yeah. So, uh, looking forward to next week, as you mentioned, the good, the bad, and the cuddly, uh, the season finale of Legends, episode 18. We're going to see the return of Jefferson, the return of uh, John Constantine, the return of Jonah Hex. Uh, you said four. Who's the fourth one? Bebo. Oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. How dare you forget our I'm... small, fluffy little god. I know. <laughs> so... <laughs> That was my mistake. Uh, yeah, Rip is forced <laughs> to improvise when the Legends plan to vanquish Malice and the totems do not work. So, going to be interesting to see how they uh, how they handle things next week for the finale. I hope it's good, and I have no, I have no doubt it will be. Yeah. Uh, next up, we have Black Lightning. Not Arrow. Black Lightning. Wrong tab. There we go. Uh, season 1, Episode 11, Black Jesus, The Book of Crucifixion. There is no plot, so I'll just sum it up for you. Ah, actually, real quick, I did, before you state that, uh, going forward, I would highly recommend checking Plex because they have the proper synopsis attached to all the episodes. Oh, well, in that case, 
Uh-huh. Give me <laughs> about five seconds and I will have the synopsis. Although it's yeah. funny because I looked and they didn't have one for Arrow this week. Um, I've been noticing that Plex has actually been keeping them on there perfectly. So, um, uh, all right. yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. So as suspicions grow that Jefferson Pierce is Black Lightning, the ASA arranges to have him arrested. Lynn seeks help from Detective Henderson. Meanwhile, as Jefferson is in custody, Gamby and Anissa work together to show Black Lightning is still running around the streets of Freeland. So as we mentioned in the in the rankings of this episode, one of the things that I really enjoyed about this episode, it wasn't the lack of Black Lightning. It was the fact that the story was told really well and even progressed further without Black Lightning. Mm-hmm. We did see a lot of thunder, obviously, uh, and we saw a holographic version of Black Lightning, which is really, really cool. But this story was able to move forward without the main character. That says That speaks volumes for the writing of this episode. Yeah, I mean, and it wasn't one of those things where you're just kind of like, ah, you know, they really need to, to sort this out. You never thought anything was wrong with what they did. It was almost flawless uh, the way that, that this plotted out. And it was I was really just amazed on how great of a job they did here. It was, man, truly an absolutely exceptional, exceptional, uh, you know, storytelling here. And I, you know, it was even incredibly brutal watching, you know, Jefferson get set up by people that were paying off, you know, the the Freeland police, the ASA, like, you know, paying them off completely to make sure that he would get set up in the process, get arrested, you know, this whole nine. And it was it was heartbreaking watching that arrest scene of, of him kind of just going through lockup process because he's such an amazingly awesome and sweet character. Um, you know, he's kind of that perfect father figure when you watch the show, the, the Pierce family, just their dynamic. So it it truly was an emotional sequence, uh, and it was a long sequence. They did not shy away from the brutality uh, at all, to no. the point where it was almost a little. It was it was it was emotionally painful to watch, uh, but they really got their points across. Like, and we we talk about this show all the time that they are not afraid to uh, push that edge and be like, nope, this is the real way that this happens, um, and it makes you uncomfortable as it should, and I think they really succeeded in bringing that message in about how this functions. So, and you, you got to see Henderson kind of see that happen from the inside and doing what he could to change it. So really just beautifully, beautifully done. Yeah. I mean, and it, it's something you mentioned and we've mentioned in the past too. This show does something wonderful and wonderful might not be the right word to, to describe it, but this show does such a good job of bringing aspects of real life into the story like there's not obviously we have things that aren't real like metahumans and things like that but the personal issues that these characters go through really touch home a lot because they do reflect a lot of things that are happening in our society right now we've seen earlier i think it might have been the first episode actually it might have even been the pilot or the second episode we saw jefferson pulled over without cause Uh, And asked to step out of the car without cause, which is something that happens. We've seen, uh, you know, gang violence. We've seen, um, you you know, racial things play out throughout the course of the show. And now we're seeing, you know, uh, police um, corruption play Mm -hmm. out in the show. These are all things that unfortunately actually do exist in our society. And this show does such a good job of portraying them and, and showing them. 
to the point where you're right it, to see a character like Jefferson being drug out of school, drug out of his classroom, drug out of school and arrested. It, it's uncomfortable. It, it was uncomfortable to watch, but was done just so well. But I mean, I think that that same time, though, you also saw that how much the community rallied around his character. Like they really proved that in this episode on how important he is to their entirety of their community. When you see this group of students stand up for him and just be like, no. And it's just, you know, Jeff being like, look, we don't want to see another black man taken out of this building today in cuffs. He's just like, you just need to do, do what you can to make sure everybody's okay. Yeah. And, you know, telling, you know, Jennifer is just like, I need you to do me a favor. I need you to just stay calm, you know, control her powers take care of Lynn, all these little things. It's just this perfect proof of how amazingly wonderful this character is and kind and sweet and caring uh, and just this perfect kind of hero for the show. Uh, and, being, you know, now just watching him on next season, we're going to watch him help allow his two daughters to grow into heroes. And I'm really looking forward to seeing that continuation of those characters and their continued growth. But we also saw Gamby kind of and Jefferson kind of bury the hatchet in a way this week, too, which was really nice to see. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I still think like he is such an you know, Gamby is such an MVP of this this whole season. Um, it, it's been just truly just exceptional to watch this play out. Oh, yeah. James Remar is a, first off, I'm such a huge fan of James Remar. So to see him pop up on the show is Gamby. But now after seeing everything play out, like you said, they bury the hatchet by the end of the episode. They have dinner together as as a family and they kind of invite Gamby, even calling him Uncle Gamby, you know, back into the into the the Pierce household. Right. And even even Jeff was kind of like, look, you know, I may not be able to ever, ever forgive you for what happened here, but. You know, we just need to find a new new line and a new way to do this. But you yeah. could see that they still care about each other and love each other an incredibly amount. It's just how does the relationship have to evolve to get past something major like that? Yeah, uh, we did see something. Uh, we did mention, you know, the holographic black lightning, which was which was really cool. But um, we have to make note too that that kind of saves Jefferson from being the face behind black lightning that was the main point of it was they had to prove that jefferson was not black lightning to to save his life in essence because we knew that the asa was going to find a way to subdue his powers and then they were going to kill him that was pretty much the point right it was that they mentioned it, taking him to a black site and and have him killed we even see the vice principal i can never remember her name for the life of me um but we we see her you know in, in her her quest she's like no jeff can't be this this person he can't be black lightning it's not possible and she's even kind of torn in the same way gamby probably was when he was he was their uh their cider you know as far as trying to track down who, who has powers or not um but we really see how much uh, like how under you know the asa's thumb she really is and she's kind of stuck in this position kind of like if she doesn't do what she's supposed to she's probably going to be killed wouldn't be surprised to see her get killed before the end of the season too well, you so. do make a good point, too, and I didn't even think about that, that she technically is currently in the situation that Gamby was in. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting if that if whether one, she is killed off by the end of the season, as you predict, or is she going to come around and essentially be a new member of the team and help put the ASA kind of be an internal spy in the ASA to help them put the ASA down? Yeah, 
Uh, it, it's very possible. Uh, you know, anything can really happen with this. But I have a feeling more than likely we're going to see her maybe sacrifice herself for for somebody. Uh, we're going to see that similar feel to uh, how everything played out. So it, it's a big wait and see. I mean, I'm really I'm really not too sure the way it's going to play out. But I have a feeling she could be uh, somebody that truly kind of has a, a major turn. Like we didn't realize she was going to be a heel in all this. But I think she's, she's going to definitely have a save, uh, saving grace kind of moment at the end. Yeah. Um, two other things I know I want to make mention. And then if there's anything else that I'm forgetting, you can you can bring up. Um, one of them, again, going back to the arrest and seeing the brutality that Jefferson goes through when he's in the station. Obviously, we see him tell Jennifer to calm down because she's getting ready to, you know, to kind of. Hulk, I want to say Hulk up. But Hulk out. Yeah, yeah. She's yeah, kind of getting ready to Hulk out. Um, you know, when we see Jefferson kind of be the voice of reason and get her to calm down, we see him take the punch to the gut in the in police custody and his eyes light up and he kind of subdues it. It really shines a light on the fact of how much responsibility there really is in people having these abilities. Because these people have these abilities, Jefferson, um, you know, Jennifer, Anissa, they have these abilities to keep them under wraps when they really don't have to takes a lot of will. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and we're, we're getting to see that portrayed exceptionally well in this show. So uh, that's something worth noting. I think the other thing, too, the second thing I have is I think one of the strongest performances for me in this episode outside of Jefferson and Gamby um, and anybody from the Pierce family, I was a big fan of Henderson this episode. Yeah. This um, has been a really interesting character. And, and the fact that at the end of this, I was really terrified that as he was doing his press conference after he locked up the, the crooked cops, that uh, when he got promoted to what it was, the um, uh, deputy chief, deputy chief, that something was going to happen. and He was going to get shot or something like that. I was really terrified something bad was going to happen to him by the end of the episode. Uh, but I already do still feel that there's something possibly that's going to happen to him before the end of this as well. Uh, and I really don't want to see that happen because, man, he's such an exceptionally wonderful character, uh, very multifaceted in all this. And, and I have a feeling, you know, he knows that Jeff is black lightning. Like you can see that in moment while he's in the cell talking with Jefferson. He's yeah. like, you got to give me a little something here. I kind of got uh, that feeling, too, which was very interesting because I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I completely forgot to mention that. But I kind of got that feeling, too. I mentioned last week that it might have been two weeks ago, actually, that I got kind of like a Batman Commissioner Gordon feel between the two of them. That's definitely uh, growing. Yeah, that's really growing. And it's really beautifully done, too. And it's happening naturally. And it's the one thing I really like the fact that they had a history in the past where. It was Henderson trying to take down Black Lightning years and years and years ago when he was a little rookie cop. And now that, uh, you know, he's climbed the ranks, uh, that changing because of his and the fact that he's known Jeff for that long, too. So, yeah, yeah, it's uh, beautifully done. Very beautifully done. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that about covers everything I had, unless there was anything else. Uh, I, th- I think the only other big point that we have to bring up and mention real quickly, um, no uh, no Tobias this week again, uh, no Lala. Uh, this was, but we did see the ASA's pods moved, and we found out that there is indeed uh, one of the metas is dying from the movement. So it seems like they needed to bring somebody else in to fill that spot. Uh, they were definitely on a hunt, so I'm wondering if they needed a certain amount of people for whatever is to come. Like, I, it, they needed an exact number, which is why that was such an issue. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that play out. But there was a lot of – it felt like there was a lot of movement without them 
absolutely showing it and shoving it in our face. Yeah. So I'm really excited to see where it's going to go this week because we only have two more episodes. So that's true. Uh, but you know, again, Black Lightning continuing to be exceptional. Uh, looking forward to next week, as you mentioned, uh, we have season one, episode twelve. It is the penultimate episode of the season. Tobias returns to Freeland and is tasked to capture Black Lightning after battle of epic proportions. Anissa and Jennifer provide surprising aid, so we're going to see Jennifer step into her role a little bit as Lightning, a little bit better, uh, a little bit more next week. Hopefully, that's what it sounds like. And I could almost technically make a prediction that Tobias um, is might be, I think, under the direction of the ASA. Yeah, I have a feeling. Really looking forward to seeing that play out. But, man, uh, I, I'm totally on board. Yeah. Uh, so, can't wait. Absolutely. All right. Final show to talk about this week is Arrow Season 6, Episode 17, titled Brothers in Arms. Oliver and Diggle face their biggest challenge yet. Curtis is disappointed to find out his new boyfriend has a firm anti-vigilante stance. Uh, we mentioned last week that we were possibly going to see a fraction between Oliver and Diggle. And, boy, oh, boy, did that play out. Mm -hmm. This week, I didn't think it was going to come to a physical um, altercation, but <laughs> I was wrong. Yeah, when that first uh, first punch is thrown from Diggle, you're like, oh, damn. Yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> I, I think that was actually my reaction, too. I actually said that out loud. <laughs> I did, that was too. I was like, so. oh, shit. I'm like, this is going to get dirty. <laughs> because there was some weight behind that punch, and I'm like, man, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, very, uh, very unsurprising, though, that things uh, continue to fall apart. Uh, in uh, the world of Arrow and uh, Ollie's team, uh, I, I don't think it could get much worse. So. No, I mean, it's pretty much down to just Oliver and Felicity. And I, I want to make mention of one thing, too. One thing I will actually pride this show on. I know that's rough to do lately, and it's hard to do the way the episodes have been lately and the way the writing has been. But we were big anti Olicity people when this season first started. We, you know, we blamed them for kind of hijacking Barry and Iris's wedding. Uh, you know, we had done a bunch of stuff. But lately, the show has been really good to the point where, <clears throat> until this episode, I kind of almost forgot they were married. Yeah, kind of. They, they kind of, they completely taken the spotlight off of the Alicity thing. It was like, okay, we're, we're, we're going to just shove it down your throat until they're married. And now that they're married, we don't have to talk about it anymore. And that's kind of what I realized this past, this episode is I, again, I forgot they were married. So well done to the show for kind of taking the spotlight off of that. Yeah, and I think actually just making it seem like a normal relationship now, not like a, hey, guys, just, just, just in case you didn't remember, we're married. And it's kind of like, no, no, no. This is how a normal relationship functions. They're finally getting it to the point where it's supposed to be. It doesn't feel constantly shoehorned in. So, yeah, they're doing a really good job of that now. Like, I'm actually – it doesn't bother me in the least because they're actually handling it correctly. Um, so very happy to see a massive change there. They're doing an awesome job. So Yeah. I will say, however, um, and we talked about this a little bit or at least made mention of it a little bit earlier on, um, the writing, man. The writing is still – well, I will say – Inconsistent, it, it, I think is yeah, what it is. Yeah, I, I think that's the best way to put it. I will say it's not as bad as it has been. Uh, it, it mean, meaning as bad as the writing has been in certain parts of this season, the writing for this episode hasn't been that bad. But I, the writing of that worst episode, that episode that we just kind of ranted on about the how one that bad everybody it, just ranted on, which yeah, was our episode ninety-eight, I believe. There are still a lot of repercussions from that episode. I still. In this episode, even though she's technically working with Oliver and assisting Oliver, 
I still can't get back behind Dinah. I'm done with her. I, I really can't. Like she is so just finished for me. I, I I'm right. I regardless of what they're trying to do or trying to even attempt to make her likable, it's I can't. I, I'm just so beyond it at this point. It's absolutely impossible for me to view her as a positive character anymore. Yeah, they, they really ruined her in a single episode. And yeah, I'm, I, I I cannot get past it. I, no, I don't know if there's other people out there that are still feeling the same. But I really want her gone. I, I and and Curtis is now becoming overly plucky. That's kind of grating a little bit. Like, <laughs> it, it was. I used to love it, but like they're really just kind of cramming it down our throats, and it's not working anymore. Um, so it, it seems like the whole outsiders angle right now is just not hitting at all. Um, like their dialogue felt very forced again this week, which was kind of problematic and worrisome. Um, but I will say there was some dialogue this week that I thought was exceptionally well written. And that was some of the communication, not all of it, mind you, but there were sequences between John and Ollie that where John, when he actually is like, this is what's really bothering me when he's goes into it. He's like, look, man, he's like, you've really grown, but you've split your, your need for where you, your focus has to be. You're, you're broken into too many places. You're the mayor, you're a father. You're a husband, you're and you're a vigilante now, and you can't focus on the task of saving the city. It's impossible. And he's just like, you know, because of your, you know, mind being split everywhere, you're now in a situation where the city has just fallen into shambles. It's fallen apart. The team is fractured because of it, because of some of the decisions you're making, because you're not thinking them through. And it was very true. All of it was very true. And then it would go into a sequence where the dialogue would be a mess, and then they would go back to those points again. You're like, absolutely accurate. And then now let's have some more horrible writing to kind of take <laughs> away from what you just said. That was really shining a light on the problems of this season um, and showing why some of this is not working the way it needs to. So, um, so yeah, there was some beautiful interaction. I don't know if you agreed with that between the two of them, but I, I really think that every time there was a good moment with, between the two of them, something would force it to devolve into something worse. No, I, I do agree with that. And I'll even go uh, – this is going to be a really weird reference um, and to kind of relate it to, but that whole scene with – Oliver and Diggle, uh, I'm talking about the, the the heated scene where the fists, they, they actually came to blows by the end of it. And they're actually screaming at each other. The points that these men are making to each other, it was one of those moments where, like, I was deeply engrossed in this scene now. Because oh, I was too. everything yeah. is coming out at this point. Like, this is, uh, everything is coming to a head. And it was one of those moments where, in the back of my mind, I'm I'm watching this and I'm listening to what they say. And if you remember Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze, beginning, <laughs> of, the, beginning of the movie where Donatello is talking to April and he's like, he's right. No, he's right. Uh -huh. They're both right. Right. Like, that was what was in my mind as I'm listening to this because you hear the point that Diggle makes and I'm like, oh, shit. Like, yeah, he's, he's got a point. Then Oliver comes back and he, he counterpoints it and I'm like, oh, shit, he's right. And then Diggle, counterpoint, yeah, he's right, he's right, he's right. They're both right in their arguments. But the oddest thing about it is that, like, they're rights in their arguments, but they're both wrong. Yeah. Meaning, and when I say that, they're right in what they're saying to each other, but they're both guilty of everything they're accusing each other of. Yeah. 
So it, it almost became another second civil war, which was one of the things we didn't like about that episode that we talked about in episode uh, issue 98. But this time around, uh, and again, I really couldn't get behind either one of them because they're both guilty of what they're accusing each other of. Right. Absolutely. I mean, and they when you when you call when they each call out each other for everything that happened, you're like, yeah, they they're kind of both been absolute idiots through this season. They've been making horrendous calls all around the board. The entire team has this entire season. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with the fact that you have a flawed team. I think that actually usually makes things interesting. But when everybody's severely flawed, it makes it impossible to get behind characters. Yeah. I think that's a problem because Ollie, you're like, oh, hey, look, he's doing this awesome thing. Like the the connections that you have where where he's been like, hey, look, you know, this is who I really care about. And I want to do everything to save my son and give him a good home. Um has been beautiful. Like a lot of the sequences between him and William have been really great this year, and it's been awesome to watch. But I, I, I don't think the team dynamic has worked. I think there's too many heroes. Focus is split in too many ways, and it's it's just lost so much focus on what it's supposed to be that it's getting kind of just it doesn't know the story it's trying to tell anymore. And I think that's the problem. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how everything comes together. I mean, we have six episodes left of the season, and we have uh, we have a team that's broken even more so than we thought it could even break. I mean, when we saw the Outsiders kind of go away and it was, uh, you know, OTA against or, you know, OTA on one side, Outsiders on the other, we were like, okay, this team is broken. Uh, it can't get much worse than this. And now we're seeing it even worse because by the end of this, it seems very much so that Diggle's taking a step aside. He's kind of going his own way. We don't know if that means he's going to be Spartan on his own or if he's just kind of taking a step back and saying, I'm done with all of this. Yeah. So it, it's going to continue to see how things play out. But one of the things that kind of came across my mind at the end of this episode when Diggle made his speech and saying that he's he's done and, you know, it's very obvious that Oliver is not happy with the choice. You know, he, he kind of, plays face and says I hope you're happy in whatever you do but he doesn't like shake his hand he just kind of turns away and 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 storms off like almost like a mini temper tantrum and one of the things that I want to that kind of came across my mind that I'm wondering if things could play out this way is we did see the return of Lila we did see the return of Argus or at least we've seen Argus because that's where Diggle goes to mention her that or to, to see her what if Spartan actually becomes to Argus almost what Guardian is to um, Cadmus. To Cadmus. I, I can see that they could be kind of going around an angle like that. I, I think that's very humanly possible is what they could be considering doing. Um, regardless, I, I, I think seeing him head to Argus was, it was a good call and it was an interesting call. Um I'm curious to see how it's going to play out. It was really nice to see Lila again in the mix. Like you constantly forget that she exists because they constantly forget about her character. It feels <laughs> yeah. like, like they even mentioned, it was like, I haven't seen you since December. And I'm like, don't you guys have a family? <laughs> um, you know, where, where's John jr. You know, in this mix. So, it, but it was nice to see them kind of pulled back together. So, um, and I don't get me wrong. I know I did give this a sidekick. I think it's just because I'm tired of seeing Fracture after fracture after fracture after fracture. It is getting kind of ridiculous at this point, and that's, I think, my big problem with things. Um, you know, it, it's just it, 
feels like it's starting to not make sense um, that they keep breaking things apart because the problem is it makes it feel like, hey, look, Ricardo Diaz is the reason for all of this happening. I don't buy that for a second. I just feel like it's the writers trying to justify or trying to find a way to justify to make this character interesting where they just haven't really succeeded in making him an interesting villain. And I think that's that's what concerns me the most is Diaz just they did not allow him to grow and they don't have enough episodes to make him interesting. And that's the problem. No, it almost seems like it's it's not becoming Oliver versus or Arrow versus Diaz. It's almost like they're setting it up to be Oliver or uh, Arrow versus the city. Um, because we're seeing that there's a lot of corruption in the city. We saw the DA. We already knew about the police lieutenant. Um, and now, even more so, they're kind of coming out and admitting that Oliver is the Green Arrow. Which, are, are we kind of done with this already? Uh, you know, how is this going to play out more so? So, I, I don't know. Like, I'm just confused as to where the season is going. Um, there's a little bit more in play this week with Katie Cassidy and um, um, and Laura Lance. Um you know, in that we see that she's still in league with Diaz, or at least that's what we're led to believe, because, you know, she's kissing him by the end of the episode. She's texting him earlier on to kind of give him the insight as to what she's finding out from Quentin. So, which, again, is another flawed character that I'm seeing, and I I, I love Quentin. I, You know, Paul Blackthorne and the character of Quentin Lance have been one, a strong one throughout the course of the run of the show. But now we're seeing somebody who's completely blind to the fact mm-hmm. that he's got somebody living in his house that who very obviously is a spy. Yeah, no, and, absolutely. And he's completely blind to it. Like, this is not in Quentin's character. He's a smart guy. Like, why are we making him this dumb to this all of a sudden? I understand when it comes to matters of the heart and this being like his daughter, you kind of do get blinded to certain things. But to this extent, really? Yeah. Yeah, it was uh and it's one of those things though too. I'm I'm still not sure what's happening with Earth 2 Laurel. Uh, I still think she's playing both sides. Um uh, it just seems like what's her character, you know, it to not be really defined by one side. She's uh, she's an opportunist, I think. I, I think more so. So I think we're going to see another twist or two before the season's over with her. So yeah, it'll be interesting to to see that play out. Mm-hmm. Um, we did see by the end of the episode too. Uh, you know, throughout the course of this, one of the action sequences that we mentioned earlier was the Vertigo production facility uh, going up in flames. Uh, we do know that Oliver and Diggle shut that down, um, or Arrow and Spartan rather. Uh, but by the end of this, there is still one vial of Vertigo left, and Diaz mentions, "I know just what to do with it." What do we think his plans are for that vial of vertigo? Uh, you know what? I'm really not sure. I'm I'm really, really kind of just wondering what is to come. Because that is one thing that did get me very interested to see what's to come next. So, uh, you know what? Like I said, I'm still fully on board. And I think you can start seeing something being shaped that, okay, this might get dramatically better. Like, things are set up in a right way. And they still have an opportunity to make this insanely interesting. But I think a lot still needs to kind of get sorted out. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, again, if things do shape up and it becomes like a pretty great finale, that's one thing. But one way or another, the one thing you can't deny is that the road to get to that finale has been extremely bumpy. Yeah. 
uh, very rough, loaded with pot. <laughs> I was going to say potholes, but loaded with plot holes. Uh, potholes works too. I was going to, cause I was actually going to say, it's kind of like they're, they're driving into the finale with a flat tire. Um, yeah. and that's kind of what it feels like. And they still have an opportunity to pull over, put a spare on and get back on the road. But, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're definitely in some dangerous waters at the moment. And I think they have to do something massive for the season then. Um, so it's so a wait and see. The only other thing I want to mention, and then I'll, I'll turn it over to you if you have anything that you want, you still want to bring up. There was only one one of the big issues I did have with this episode was Curtis taking the bullet uh, to protect his boyfriend. It wasn't the fact that he did it. It was the fact that that shot was edited so poorly that that had to be one slow-ass bullet for him to take it. I don't know if that's something that you noticed. Actually, I didn't. So, uh, But it was, okay, maybe I was one of the few people that noticed it. But the shot went off, and like a second later, he jumps. It's like, eh, no, you got to be a little faster than that if you're going to take a bullet for somebody. Um, that was just something, for some reason, I saw that scene, and I was like, really? Okay, I'm like, I, I know we're better than that when it comes to action sequences. Uh, maybe you just couldn't edit it any better. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know. But it is what it is. Mm-hmm. So anything Absolutely. I've forgotten that you want to bring up before we, we jump out? No. Um, I, like I said, again, great action sequences this week. Just uh, the in- inconsistencies in the writing quality have been a little much. So Yeah, agreed. Uh, looking forward to next week, we have episode 18, In His Darkest Place. Yet Oliver wonders if he has failed at everything. Oliver lashes out at Felicity and William, so we're going to see some more repercussions uh, going even deeper. Uh, a surprising visit from an old friend has Oliver questioning his next move, and there's nobody listed in the cast as to who that could be. So predictions on who that could possibly be? Well, we know Tommy's still uh, set to return, so maybe oh, there's a flashback re- related to him. That's right. Uh, Didn't even think so about that. Maybe we'll see see Tommy in the mix again some, somehow. Well, let's wait and see. Under the influence of Vertigo, Oliver sees a flashback of his friend Tommy. Could yeah. be it. That could be what that Vertigo was for. Maybe. It could be to, it could be to set up Oliver. Yeah, because uh, like I said, we oh you know what that's what it was. Uh, we saw him um, yeah fire the DA and uh, the chief of police, knowing that he they were tied to tied to uh, the big bad. So with uh, Richard Dragon, so it, it, it's we we do know at least that happened, which led to him potentially getting ready to be indicted. Um, yeah. So yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. Yes. Next week we uh, we're gonna have the finale, the season finale of Legends of Tomorrow, the penultimate episode of Black Lightning. We'll have the next episode of Arrow and the Flash returns next week. So we will talk about that as well. So we'll be back to four shows next week. Uh, before we talk about the news, uh, let's spend. And when I say a minute, let's try and keep it just at that. Um, Let's kind of spend a minute on Krypton because I know that we have some people that are watching it. And I, again, I'm slacking. I haven't played the final episode of Telltale Batman, but I don't want to hold the listeners back. So we'll let you give a quick synopsis as to how it was and how it played out. Um, And again, we're we're three episodes in the Krypton and we can kind of summarize what our feelings on that as well. Uh, But let's start with Batman. Let's start with Telltale Batman. I haven't had a chance to play it. The final chapter is out you've had a chance to play it what were your thoughts on it um man it was uh exceptional i had a kind of a crap crap end for for me but uh <laughs> uh that was actually on me so uh fair warning if you have played this there is a cutscene after they show you all the slides of how everything happened 
I it was almost one in the morning. I was exhausted uh, by the end of it because it was it was just really good. But I started incredibly late at night when I did play it, and uh, as I was powering off the application, um, it started showing a sequence was showing Arkham Asylum, and my system powered off, and I went to try to like oh crap oh crap oh crap, and I went to go back to see it because I realized I didn't get the platinum trophy. Uh, I can't see it now. I have to go back and redo the entirety of the episode. <laughs> There's no way to see that after credits thing again. So that sucks. Uh, that, uh, but I will say this: uh, I did have a vigilante Joker uh, for my end. You can have traditional Joker based on how your uh, episode four ended, or you will have a vigilante Joker, and uh, you get to see a lot of interesting things play out in this one. And uh, I, I, without giving away too too much, because I want to make sure that we'll talk about this more in full after Ben completes his his run. Um, finding out who was the person that actually killed the Riddler from episode one. Uh, plays into this in a big way and it is there's some interesting twists and turns that you don't expect and a massive massive decision you have to make at the very end of all of this um probably the largest one to the batman mythos that we've known so far uh but it definitely ties to things that we've seen before especially in the christopher nolan-esque story so cool uh but yeah i will say uh incredible incredible end to season two really just gotta say uh I need to play through now the other route because I want to see the other version of uh, John. So, how long did it take? How long was your playthrough of this? Uh, this I chapter? would say it was about an hour and a half, hour and forty-five. It's short, but it's really, really powerfully, wonderfully, just amazing storytelling. Okay, I will make a point to to play it this week so that I can kind of give my opinion on it next week. I um, will probably play it one more time too, just because I just want to. <laughs> and you want to see that cutscene. Yeah, I do. <laughs> um, all right, so um, Krypton, real quick. We've had three episodes of Krypton that have aired. It's the new sci-fi series, which is the pre... I'm going to say prequel, prequel to uh, to um, to Superman because it's about his grandparents. It's about, actually about his grandfather. Uh, but there's some very interesting tie-ins to modern day, which I'm, I'm kind of liking. Have you? Are you caught up with Krypton? Have you been watching it? I watched episode one. Okay. What were your initial thoughts on episode one? Um... I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think it's it, it could be potentially a very interesting story. And I, I can see a lot of interesting things here. I think Adam Strange feels a little bit more like Booster Gold uh, from just watching the first episode. Um, in the way that kind of everything functions with him. But I think it does work. I think they're still kind of getting Adam Strange correctly. But they're kind of blending him a little bit. Uh, because we did know for the longest time Sci-Fi wanted to do a Booster Gold TV show. So it feels like they're kind of blending the two ideas together. But he still seems like a very interesting and likable character. Uh, I think Seg is a, is, is a good protagonist. Or, and, uh, yeah, protagonist in all of this. But I, I don't know why I need to care that much yet. Even <laughs> by the way that it got to the end, it was just, uh, I was like, okay, Brainiac's going to try to stop things. And they're kind of using the cape as... The best way to put it is uh, it's the photo from Back to the Future. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's the photo from Back to the Future. It's the rose from Beauty and the Beast. It's the it's the hourglass of the story is pretty right. much and, what it is. And I think that's a cool iconic thing because it, it's this splash of color in all in a, what feels like a very depressing world. Oh, it's a very dark show. Uh, yeah, I mean, and that's and I have a feeling it's one of those things that once this season's done, I'll probably absolutely go back and watch the entirety of it. But I, I think it's just um, I don't. It's not enough for me to t- tune in week to week. I don't know about you. 
No, I've been watching it. Um, I've I'm current on the on the episodes. Um, I've made mention before that any new show I will give three episodes to see how well it's going to keep my interest and and stay around. And I after three episodes, I'm more into it in the third episode than I was in the first. In the first, I was kind of like you. I was like, ah, I really don't see why I should care about this. But by the third episode, there's a lot that plays out in the second that now by the third, we're kind of into the story at this point. So, and now I'm interested. Now I'm interested in seeing where this is going. So I'm going to continue to watch it week to week. It's, like I said, by the third episode, it's usually where I decide, am I going to keep watching or am I going to cut ties? I'm going to keep watching. Okay. I did, I did the same thing with Gotham. Gotham has actually picked up a lot of steam this this season. It's gotten really good. We're already so far gone and talking about it that we we're not going to add it back to to the show because we already talk about four shows a week and we got to save room for other stuff that's potentially in the future. Uh, but maybe I, we'll, maybe we'll do a Gotham minute or something down the road, or we'll do another Gotham annual like we've done before. Um, but but yeah, I'm into it. I'm going to keep watching it. it. It's it's got my interest. Okay. So, that's pretty much all I can really say about it without spoiling anything. or I, I, I can't really spoil anything anyway or make predictions yet at this point because I really have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> and I guess there's there's one other little small thing to talk about that we'll get into more in full. I did watch Suicide Squad Hell to Pay late last night. Uh, man, it's a cool story. It's a really damn cool story. Uh, without saying too, too much, um, there are multiple villain teams uh, all going after one specific artifact that is tied to Dr. Fate, which was kind of cool. Um, there is a card that is a get out of hell free card that if you are holding it, when you die, you get a pass right to heaven, regardless of your deeds. What? And this That's goes awesome. and ties in an interesting way back all the way to the, what started this new series of animated films. This goes all the way back to flashpoint. And there's this amazing, beautiful tie with one of the characters. But, man, they do something amazing here. And I got to say, Christian Slater was an exceptional dead shot. Absolutely blew me away. But, I mean, character-wise, we see a lot of big bads in this. We see, uh, just to run through the gambit of who I can remember, we see uh, uh, Punch and Julie. Uh, we see Tobias Whale in this. We see Black Manta, Count Vertigo, uh, Harley Quinn, Deadshot, uh, Christ, uh, Copperhead, uh, <laughs> Killer Frost, Reverse Flash, um, a Blockbuster, I think, was one of them. Um, oh, my God. Silver Banshee. I mean, it just goes on and on. Amanda Waller. I mean, this was a stacked cast. Uh, Bronze Tiger. I mean, this oh is exceptional, exceptional. And they managed to make it all work perfectly. Uh, they did such a great job in this. And there, I, I'm even missing other major characters that were in this. Bronze um, Tiger. I haven't heard that name in forever. Yeah. Uh, and and they, they did a beautiful job with this character in this, too. Like, And, and then again, too, a a, a previous Doctor Fate uh, that they use as a plot point, And it was just awesome. So I got to say, for the Suicide Squad stuff, I really loved uh, the... Uh, us, Arkham Assault or Assault on Arkham, I believe it was. I can't remember the name of it, uh, which was really well done. Uh, this one, dramatically even better. Uh, and some of the stuff that they did was just it, just so damn cool. So uh, I highly recommend checking it out. I can't wait to talk about it in full a couple in a couple weeks. Cool. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out this week as well. So I got a lot of stuff to do this week. 
Yeah. <laughs> Four shows to watch. I got a movie to watch. I got a game to play. I got oh, plus I got to watch like Krypton and Gotham. You got to and... finish watch, uh, finish watching Young Justice, buddy. I know. Oh, dude, season one is done. Uh, I'm getting ready to start season two. I will probably do it this afternoon. Ah, uh, all right. So next week, uh, you gotta you gotta give us your impression of episode one of season two. Cool. Yeah, it's 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 so weird. It's to the point now where like I used to watch so much television, but now most of the shows I watch are primarily stuff I podcast about mm-hmm. because I don't have time for anything, anything else. I just finished White Collar, so uh, you can you can understand how far back I am. So, <laughs> God, yeah, there's so much stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's still a ton of stuff that I still watch. I still watch, um, you know, Scorpion and and. There's still some other great shows that I watch in Suits, which is another USA show like White Collar, and I still watch Walking Dead, even though I don't know why. But but yeah, so and, and I'm getting ready. We're actually I have a meeting later on this afternoon with my co-host of the Lost Rewatch podcast. Uh, we're finally going to nail down a format, so I'm going to be watching Lost again on top of everything else. But I don't mind that because I love that show. <laughs> All right, well, let's jump over to the news because yes. unfortunately I got to get ready to get out of here. So we've got to wrap this one up. But yes, let's uh, let's dive into a little bit more talk of Legends of Tomorrow. So uh, Phil Klemmer, who is the uh, co-showrunner, did state this. Um, the finale, uh, we will be losing another member of the Wave Rider. Uh, says the, you know. The finale will see a departure. It does pave the way for an exit, and it absolutely does. And there's a heartbreak in this finale, and a legend definitely will be leaving. Um, and more than likely, we all, I think, can agree that that person will be Amaya. Yeah. Uh, will be stepping away, I think, at the end of this, which I think she's going to get a really great end to her character. But I uh, think the heart the heartbreak plays into the whole her and Nate. Yeah, thing. and I, I think so. Um as long as we don't lose both uh, Nate and her, um, I, I think I'll be okay. But I really have enjoyed Amaya as part of this team. But I, I think uh, she's had a really good, fun run with her story from last season and this season. And uh, I, I like the fact that they're not afraid to change up who is still going to be around. But it, uh, it sounds like we'll be saying goodbye to her tomorrow night. Yeah. But it also, if you if you do the math on this, uh, you know, quickly, we we lost Jax. We're losing one more. We lost um, Stein. So there's going to be three empty seats by the end of this. Uh, we know one for sure. Well, we filled, be... we filled one. We know the other one. And now we just need to know what that yeah, last is going to be. We filled one with Zari. We know John Constantine is potentially another one for next season. It and we still have leaves... Wally. So. Oh, that's right. We have Wally. So technically we're full. Well, you, you have your replacement. We got a replacement now for, um, you know, Amaya replaced Leonard when he passed originally so yeah um then we did have you know obviously Jax and uh martin um no longer on board because ja- you know obviously the passing of martin stein and Jax stepping away and then we have our replacements there with john constantine and with uh wally and now with amaya leaving uh we'll be re-replacing snart's original seat so well don't forget zari Came oh yeah, oh that's right. We did, get, we did get Zari, so we are technically at full strength by the, by season's end, uh, with Constantine kind of coming back into the mix. So I'm just trying to make man. I'm just trying to figure out a way to get Damian Dark in. That's all. I would love that. <laughs> so, uh, but we do know at least one person that will also be returning next season as a uh, series regular is Jess McKellen. So uh, Eva. 
Ava, Ava will be sticking around, which I'm actually really happy about that. You know, I uh, am too, and I kind of, I kind of called that earlier in the season too that I think we could see her become a potentially more regular character going into next season. Yeah, and Phil Klemberg actually, when he continued on a little bit about you know the fact that we're going to be losing another character, he did say with uh, Ava, you know. Uh, so her character arc was a bit of a slow burn this season, and yet each episode revealed a new facet of her character. She's been alternately funny, poignant, engaging, endearing, and kick-ass this season. And yet I know for a fact that we haven't hit all of Jess's hidden gears as an actor. Uh, we're lucky to have a whole new season in which to find them. And it's not every actor who can find the emotional uh, heart of a storyline that features John Constantine, a chicken, a severed human foot. And <laughs> thank God we found Jess. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. So, all right. Uh, let's talk a little Arrow. Um, all right. Here, I got to reload this. Sorry about that. So, Stephen Amell, I believe this was at WonderCon, did say this specifically. Um, as if I can get this to load right. Uh, everybody pretends like we're not eventually going to cross over with Black Lightning, but we're probably going to cross over with Black Lightning because that's just the way the world works. I think uh, that anything you can do to expand the universe and to build onto what we built on our show would be amazing. So I'm glad the show is doing incredible, and I hope that this is a very successful run for uh, the, the cast over at Black Lightning. We'd love to be a small part of it in some way, shape, or form. So Amel's definitely been saying that he really, really, really wants to do some work with... Uh, with uh, Cress, because we've seen them uh, behind the scenes, they're really actually becoming close friends. And uh, he was saying he's just absolutely pumped to try to find a way to make Arrow and Black Lightning crossover. Look, so I let, feel like next season, I have a feeling it's going to happen. Let's not, let's not play let's not play coy here. We know for a fact, uh, and we've seen it in multiple facets, that whether or not the uh, the ratings are good for Arrow, Amel has a lot of swing in that universe. He has a lot of potential. He has a lot of pool. Things he has wanted have come to play. Things he has requested have come to play. If he wants this to happen, they're going to make this happen. Yeah. One way or another. So I'm excited for it. The best was, uh, I believe this was on his uh, Twitter. Um, you know, Mel put a shot up. He's like, uh, the verse is in very good hands with at Cress Williams. Here's a cool shot with uh, of me and him with a fan. And that fan in the middle is John Perriman. <laughs> so That had to have been from this weekend. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it, it was, had it to was, have been the shot came from Washington. So, oh, that, so that yeah. was awesome. Con that was last weekend. Oh, awesome. Con awesome. Con. Not That's Wonder right. Con. I forgot. Cress, Cress Williams was there, too, because their Cress Williams is in Chicago with a Mel and Barrowman this weekend, too, in Chicago, yeah. um, for Heroes and Villains. Yeah. So, uh, man, just uh, an awesome picture of the three of them together, though. So because, uh, again, I, as much as right now we're just waiting for Arrow to kind of get better man i love that cast but like absolutely they are some of the just nicest people from everything i've read about them seen them talk uh from hearing your accounts of meeting them all in person they're, uh, they're fantastic they're not, question, they're not a question in my mind that these are all amazing people in real life and amazing actors because we've seen them all just do amazing things so far as well in the shows as sometimes the writing falls apart in certain things and it happens when shows run for six six years so yeah. Uh, but like I said, I still have full faith uh, that, you know, the world will turn around with him. Uh, but speaking of Arrow, a little bit more. Uh, Mark Guggenheim did say this. Uh, it's a very unusual kind of finale this year. He said last year's finale was a traditional cliffhanger and it was very much an oh, my God, what's going to happen? This year is a very different kind of cliffhanger. Uh, he said this is absolutely unprecedented, not just for Arrow, but for the other DC superhero shows as well. Uh, we do know. Katie Lotz, Sarah Lance will also be a part of this year's finale on Arrow. So, 
All right. Maybe uh, maybe the whole Damien Dark thing will play out in the in the finale of Arrow. It, who knows? I, I, have, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea what's going to happen. But I'm, you know what? I I'm very curious because they could still have this really amazing end. So it's a wait and see. Yeah. Uh, but because we were talking about Awesome Con just a minute ago, uh, it's kind of funny because we need to jump back to Awesome Con yet again. Uh, and this is tied to somebody that you just spoke to and a lot of our listeners just listened to, which is Tom Welling. Uh, Tom and Michael Rosenbaum did say that they really want to have a revival of Smallville, but they want to do it in an animated feature. Uh, you know, he said to uh, Al Ghul, uh, which is, or Go, sorry, G-O-U-G-H, he was one of Smallville's original creators, that we should do an animated Smallville. That would be huge. I mean, Smallville, the animated series with all the real voices from the show, and I wouldn't have to shave my head. This was coming from Michael Rosenbaum. He's like, we've got to absolutely do this. Can you imagine us on mics doing the same exact dialogue that we did so many years ago? Um, and it sounds like uh, the creator actually has been in discussions with them. And it sounds like they're getting closer and closer to maybe trying to do a small animated series or an animated DC film. Uh, and we've definitely been seeing Warner Brothers animation department really just doing an exceptional job of uh, kind of nodding back to older things. We've been hearing about a potential revival of uh, Young Justice. Well, not well, not Young Justice, sorry. Justice League Unlimited, uh, at least for a movie um, that kind of gets to bookend a little bit more with them, which would be awesome to see. Uh, we, we've seen, you know, Batman 66 in two features, which has been just another just awesome thing. Um, and, you know, we kind of saw things like Batman and Harley Quinn kind of nodding back to, you know, the animated series as well. So, they're, they're really doing a beautiful job of making sure they're nodding to things that came before. So I would not be surprised to see this getting announced probably sometime in the next year or two. I will tell you um, real quick to all of our listeners, if you want to see some fun videos, uh, just go on YouTube and uh, just Google Michael Rosenbaum Awesome Con. He, he did a ton of stuff. Even on stage during the panel, he was taking videos. And, man, there's some great stuff that comes out of that. He seems like such a likable guy. I mean, again, I can't rave enough about how nice Tom Welling was when I talked to him, but Rosenbaum seems like he's just the same way. And I can only imagine what it was like working on set with the two of them together. Yeah. Uh, jumping into the film world real quick. We just got a, two quick points before we move on. Uh, and that is, as we did announce some uh, earlier this week, that Wonder Woman 2 is going to be shooting some sequences in IMAX. Uh, so I'm very curious to see what we're going to see. Well, I'm sure we're going to get a lot more news about that movie probably at San Diego this year. I would not be surprised to see uh, a full unveil, maybe a quick look at what she is going to look like with Chris, uh, Kristen Wiig. Um, man, I'm really excited for Wonder Woman 2, though. Um, I am but- too. It sounds like this is going to be a movie to catch on the biggest screen you can. So uh, it sounds like this is going to be an IMAX viewing for me. I don't know about you, Ben. Oh, yeah. So, All right. And last but not least, Joe Maganello has confirmed that the solo film. You said it right. I did it. (laughs) (laughs) We can end all of the podcasting now. That's all this has been. 102 episodes just so I can learn how to say a name. Yeah. Joe Maganella has confirmed that a solo film is indeed in the works for Deathstroke, which means uh, it's a rumor and don't buy into it. <laughs> so, uh, but that wraps up the news for us this week. So, all right, cool. Uh, let's throw out a couple recommendations. We'll do our cheap plugs and we can get out of here. Um, my recommendation is off the beat of DC. I, every once in a while, I like to go away from DC. Uh, my recommendation Friday night, fr- yes, Friday night. I went to theaters and I saw a film that I highly recommend. I went and saw A Quiet Place, which was written and directed by John Krasinski. And man, 
That movie was fantastic. If memory serves correctly, I'm trying to remember the plot of this, but this is the one where the people can't make any sounds. Uh, they they are, do monsters come and take them away, basically. There, is, there was an alien invasion. It's set up, and you can actually see this in some of the latest trailers, so I'm not giving anything away. Uh, there was an alien invasion in which the aliens that have come down are blind, so they go strictly on hearing. So if they see you, they hunt you, and that's pretty much what it is. They can't see what they're hunting, so they automatically just go after anything that makes a sound. Uh, the brilliance of this movie is that there is almost no dialogue. There is maybe 20 lines of dialogue in the entire movie. This movie does such a great job of building up that suspense and that terror with no talking, with little to no talking at all. Granted, they talk to each other via subtitles, or yeah, via subtitles, via sign language, so there are subtitles, but... Um, a friend of mine who saw it said that her husband wasn't crazy about it because he hates reading movies. I was so engrossed in this movie that I didn't even really realize I was reading subtitles. Hmm. Uh, the movie is absolutely fantastic. If you're a fan of horror, um, I highly recommend it. I, I want to. I know the story already, so it won't have the same effect as me going to see it a second time, but I'll still go see it a second time. I think I'm on board, so I'm pumped for that. Uh, for me, my recommendation this week is Suicide Squad Hell to Pay, uh, because again, I know we barely even talked about it initially, and I completely forgot that it was coming out, but man, I can say yet again, that was exceptional, but beyond that, I highly recommend, if you were somebody in me and Ben's age range, which means late 30s, heading to 40, maybe even a little bit older, um, head over to Kickstarter as soon as you can. Uh, if you look on Kickstarter, Fireball Island is oh, God, remade right. uh, by the fine folks at Restoration Games. Um, I actually had the opportunity to meet uh, the lead designers for that game uh, last year at PAX Unplugged in Philly. And uh, we got to talk to them even before they got to show off the board uh, for the first time. And they explained some of the new things about the game. Um, you know, PAX East is happening right now and they're showing off the game to people for the very first time through this weekend. People are playing it walking away and say the game is pure chaotic fun is not just a roll and move game like it used to be they updated things to the more modern age of board gaming but they said it, it plays great for still seven-year-olds up to uh you know you know people in their 80s and 90s they said this is meant to be this perfect family game um uh, but pure chaos they redesigned the board uh it was a classic game i played in when i was a little kid and uh I'm so all in. I actually fully back the project. And, um, man, it just looks awesome. So if you are a board gamer, like I know quite a few of you are, uh, I really recommend if you haven't been paying attention to the fact that it's out there, get over to Kickstarter, watch the videos, jump on YouTube, check out some of the playthroughs people are putting up online from PAX. Uh, man, this looks like it's going to be a great time. And it sounds like they're launching in and it will be released in November. So I'm hoping it'll be available right before Extra Life for us. So that's awesome. Yeah, I don't, I don't back many Kickstarter programs. There's been a couple that I've backed, but this is one I will absolutely go on and back because I was such a fan of that game when I was younger. I remember going to, oh god, what was the con that we went to where we played? Um, what was the one gaming convention that I, I met up with you and our friend Bill? Um, that was that hasn't come back. Too many, too many games. Too many games. And I remember walking past a vendor who had a bunch of old school games and seeing Fireball Island in there and being very tempted to buy it. 
Even though it was like four hundred dollars, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and the box was kind of beat, so you could tell it had been through its its trials. But just because I loved that game so much, I was so tempted to get it, and it was uh, the price that kind of turned me away. The the base game for this uh, through the Kickstarter is sixty bucks, so it shaves off I think ten dollars off the retail. And I believe there, in addition to that, if you do the all in, which will come with the four expansions, um, the four expansions for it, there's an additional island. That is a shipwreck, which looks fairly large. That actually has catapults that fire. <laughs> so what? Uh, this is awesome. Uh, so they added that in there too. So that's kind of cool. There is a, and then I think uh, there's a fifth player expansion in there, and then there is one where there is a uh, killer tiger, and then there's a set with uh, I think uh, snakes as well, where there's poison and bees. So there's all these other things that they're adding into the mix. But I think the all in is something like 135 bucks, which is what I did. And then it's like fifteen dollars shipping, so it's about one fifty. But um, it's it looks packed to the gills, and it looks well worth it. So that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to make mention too uh, the Showcast Spotlight, which I mentioned is my other podcast, uh, just did return for its new season. I did an interview earlier last week with Dana D. Lorenzo, who, if you watch Ash versus Evil Dead, you would know as Kelly. Um, it has been. Uh, it was a fantastic interview. It was a 20-minute interview that went for 40, as it always does with Kelly. And the reason why I bring this up is because it got a lot of praise from Ash vs. Evil Dead is on Stars. Uh, a lot of people from Stars, uh, the promo people from Stars, actually heard the interview and came back to me and gave me a lot of praise for that interview. So much so that they have offered to set me up with interviews with the rest of the cast of Ash vs. Evil Dead, including Lucy Lawless and Bruce Campbell. Oh, I'm jealous. <laughs> so the moment they mentioned Bruce Campbell, I was like, yep, I'm in. I don't care what I got to do. You set it up. They're all currently in Germany right now for a convention, including Dana. Um, but when they come back into the country this week, uh, I'm going to be working with stars to get interviews set up with uh, Ray Santiago, Lucy Lawless, uh, Lee Majors, and Bruce Campbell, which is going to uh. be... Uh, I can't wait. I mean, I, just getting wait. Lee Majors in there too is just awesome. Lucy <laughs> Lawless even is yeah. I mean, oh my god! I mean, you're that's, a warrior princess. Come seriously. on, seriously. And I, I mean, how cool is it too that even Lucy is in there just because of her and Bruce's connection from back in the days of of Xena and yeah. you know Hercules and all. Uh, but yeah, that's such a great. That's just that's so awesome that to hear that that's going so well, and you got a great start and kick off to the showcast spotlight for this season. Yeah, um, I mean you have to you have to realize I have a top five of mm-hmm. my all time bucket list interviews, um, and Bruce is in that top five. Yeah. So to be able to get this is, I mean, let's between. Talking to John Wesley Ship for the 100th, talking to Tom Welling for the 100th, talking to David Harwood for the 100th, uh, talking to Dana, and now knowing that I'm going to have potential interviews with, with these other cast members, I'm so reinvigorated of talking to people in the industry. I've done well over, between being on panels and, and interviews, I've done over 200 of these things. Um, and I, I'm, such a, I'm, I'm so reinvigorated now after every after the past couple weeks that like i just want to push forward and get as many of these as possible yeah i mean it's both for the showcast and for dc primetime yeah and i think like i said you guys are going to start seeing i think we're going to try to consistently continue to reach out to these actors uh and you're going to be hearing a lot more of what you heard at the hundredth as we said there was going to be big changes to the show that's probably the big change i'm i'm going to try if i can swing it if if i can pull 
I want to try and bring an interview to our listeners from somebody on one of the shows or in DC, one form or another. Um, I want to once bring month, at least uh, the whole, yeah. once a month, once every two at yeah. the latest. So yeah, so you what you experience at the hundredth, you're gonna keep you're gonna keep saying that. Yeah. So like I said, that's that's our thank you uh, to you guys uh, that we will continue to do everything in our power to make those things happen uh, because there's so many people out there that. Like you heard from John and David and, and Tom that absolutely love playing these characters. And it's great to be able to share their their personal stories with you guys. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, one other thing I wanted to bring up before we get into our cheap plugs and we get out, because I know you got to go. So I don't want to hold you. I do. I do. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm going to hold a contest and I'm going to do this personally. What I want to do is I want to try and get some uh, some ratings on our iTunes feed uh so for all of our listeners out there what i want you guys to do is i want you guys to go on itunes and i want you guys to give us an honest rating like if um you know write what you think of the show give us your i think it's i think it's by stars on itunes like one to five stars um be honest about it we don't want you to lie if, you, if there's something you don't like say it if you love it love it um for the first 20 people that post a rating on the itunes feed i'm gonna send you one i'm gonna send you guys um a sticker of our logo design um everybody who posts on there is gonna get their name in a drawing to win a hoodie of that logo Mm -hmm. um so a little bit of initiative to get you guys you know i don't mind bribing you it's fine uh (laughs) first 20 okay no no go ahead I was going to say, first 20 people who post a rating on the iTunes feed, uh, I'll send you guys a sticker. Maybe something else. I don't know. I got some other stuff up, up the works. Uh, but for everybody who posts your name or go into a hat, and you have a potential of winning a hoodie of that as well. Yeah. Uh, and if so. you haven't seen them yet, uh, we had a, our fans of the month from last month uh, because for our 100th, we wanted to say a big thanks to three specific listeners who have been a big part of our, our culture since we started being uh, Jax, uh, you know, Shad, and Paul. And uh, all of them put shots up of their them in their T-shirts uh, with the logo. And, man, I don't even own that yet, but it looks so good on a shirt. I thought uh, the same thing. I'm like, I kind of want one now. Yeah. The only <laughs> downside with Redbubble is they have a tendency after uh, – if you wash them the wrong way, they have a tendency to peel really quickly. So you got to really be careful and, you know, do what they say with uh, the cleaning of those shirts. Cold water, air dry, you know, yeah. and that's it. Uh, but I mean, it looks gorgeous. It really just turned out beautifully. And, uh, if you haven't got a chance, I know at least Jackson and Paul put theirs on the Facebook page. I believe Shad put it on his personal page. So if you see him, you can, you know, click through and you might be able to find that on his personal, but, uh, if not, we'll remind him to put it up on the actual page so you can see some more shots of them in action. Uh, I believe Kevin actually received his hoodie by nail too, so hopefully we'll get a nice shot of that soon. Yeah, we didn't. Guys. I didn't see a shot of it. I didn't see a shot of that yet. Um, but I know I we know, got it. Yeah, uh, I know he's a little bit behind in his listening, as he was saying. But uh, you know, he plays catch up in in chunks. It sounds like. But uh, yeah. yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad people really like them and people really dig that design. But yeah, uh, get those reviews up, even if everybody gives us one star because they're like, "Your guys just don't do a good show." I'd rather know that so we can change it and make it even better. So. Exactly. That's why I want honest feedback. So we're not telling you everybody who puts a five-star rating up is going to get a sticker. No. If you put a rating up, be honest in what it is. Uh, we take constructive criticism very well. So give us an honest rating. Uh, first 20 people will get a sticker. Everybody who does it, whether it's 20 or more, will get their name in the drawing for a hoodie. 
So, uh, all right, cheap plugs, and let's get out. Uh, as I mentioned, you can find me on my other podcast as well as this one, the Showcast Spotlight, here on the Next Level Podcast Network. NextLevelRadioOnline.com is the website for the podcast network where you can find this podcast as well as all other podcasts. Facebook.com slash NextLevelRadioOnline. And, of course, the Facebook page for this podcast is w- uh, yeah, Facebook.com slash uh, DC Primetime. And lastly, I should have had this drawn up so that I could do it. Uh, but our DC Primetime voicemail, we encourage you to call and leave a message, 1-888-247-5380. Again, 888-247-5380, toll-free in the U.S. and Canada. Give us a call and leave us a message. Uh, as for me, you can always find me through the Next Level Radio uh, you know, network as well, through the Caffeine Crew cast of pods. The last episode we did was the musical episode. Uh, not this week, but the following, uh, I believe, uh, the following Monday. Uh, we will be recording the Ready Player One episode. The only reason for a little bit more of a delay, I was hoping to do it this coming week. Uh, I am working on a massive outdoor project as I am transforming my home quite a bit. And uh, that is eating into a lot of my time and it needs to be done <laughs> before next Saturday. So um, so we will do the Ready Player One episode probably, uh, yeah, um, a week from tomorrow. So my guess is Tuesday of uh, the following week. That will be up. So uh, I'm really excited to do that. We're going to be looking at the uh, you know the 80s and 90s pop culture and how it kind of shaped our current generation with nostalgia, and then we'll be reviewing uh, Ready Player One as a book and a film full of spoilers because everybody will have had at least two weeks now to see the movie. So uh, it's a great way to do it. So everybody has a chance to dive into that conversation. But also a big special thanks this week for the music that you hear each and every week on the show is in part due to our good friend George Shaw at georgeshawmusic.com. Make sure you head over to his page, check out his SoundCloud, and support the dude because he's got awesome, awesome tunes. Um, but yeah, that's that's it for me. Cool. Uh, so four shows to talk about next week, including one finale, one pen ultimate, and a return of The Flash. Uh, so until that time, enjoy the rest of your weekend, and we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. Peace.